Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Our quote for today, learn how to revitalize your work and workspace, starting with your own happiness. That is from Jen Lim. What up, Hill Squad? Welcome back. We're going to be chatting with Jen Lim today, bestselling author of Beyond Happiness, right here, and the CEO of Delivering Happiness, a company all about creating happier company cultures for a more profitable and sustainable approach to business. Very interesting stuff here. Um, Jen used to be a consultant for Zappos. She worked with uh, Tony Shea, the late CEO of Zappos.com, to create a happier company culture. And uh, her mission is to teach businesses how to cultivate cultures that generate profit, sustain all people at every level of the organization with humanity. Whoa. (laughs) I could have used her. Yeah. For all of my right, I know. my years, I know. <laughs> uh, and to share how we can how we can make an impact by being true to our authentic selves. And she says, Kelsey, as you mentioned, that anything we talk about today is applicable to you as a human too. Yep. I guess it's probably like in your microtransactions and stuff, right? Yeah, I would think so. And I'm excited to get into it with her because even you know she has a couple really cool sayings or acronyms or things in the book, and she was like, okay, yeah, but. That also applies to you as as a, you know, a girlfriend or a wife or a, you in your daily life. So anything we talk about and she talks about, I'm sure she'll get into. Yeah, it applies to you. It's not just about work. It's also about life. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Kelsey. Yes. What do you think makes a good work culture? Mm. What is a good work culture to you? And did you ever think about it like that? Not really, actually. I mean... I think when you're when you have a good work culture, you don't necessarily think like what makes a good work culture. Like when I've been in bad ones, I know like why they're bad. 
So I guess I'll come at it from that way. Like first, I'll take the compliment. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, but it's true. It's, Thank you. It's, it's, I mean, that's it. the best compliment ever. I mean it though. It's like I never think of it that way because we do have a good one. But like I knew when I was in a bad one. Mm, me too. Why it was bad, and it's often you know the it's it. We hear this a lot, but it's like from the top, it trickles down, right? And that's it was just so toxic, and they didn't give a crap about anyone besides themselves um and just like nasty I mean it's hard because they were just so beyond like you know I mean we were in the same place it was just yeah I don't know so when just general kindness I think is nice and god I don't know it's I've never thought of it this way I don't know why yeah I mean it's definitely like a an old paradigm where you know you're the, the whole thought was you're paid, do the job, and I'm not supposed to care about you or your life or anything like yeah. that. And it's just not, it's just not the way. No. You know, you have to care about your people as much as you want them to care about you and the job, in my opinion. Um, when we were with any business that we've had or done, we've always had a very familial culture and we've gotten you know, some, ah, some flack for that because people believe in the opposite, right? Keep everything separate and, and all of that. But we don't know how to kind of operate any other way. Um, you know, you get your heart broken here or there, but, um, but ultimately why should I expect you to care about me if I don't care about you? It's already hard enough to have somebody care about you and your business. There are the rare people and I was one of them. Even when I worked at Dunkin' Donuts, I thought that that was my store. And I cared about it like it was my store yep. because I had a relationship with the owner, Mr. Bill Galatis, shout out. Uh, and I looked after it like it was my own and I would report to him if I saw anything I didn't think was good. I was 13, 14, 15. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> but I always had that mentality and the problem with it was when I applied it to people that didn't care back and, and because they didn't care back, I thought I had to do more and more and more. And that was a vicious cycle because they loved it. Then they knew exactly how to get me. Right. Don't That's give a good point. any, any brown, um, any gold stars. Don't give any reward. Don't give them any thanks because then they'll keep trying to prove themselves. So I just found an old journal when we were doing our shoot recently, I was looking for journals and it said, you know, for, I forgive myself for feeling like I have to prove my self-worth to others. And my new awareness, I know that I'm a kind and giving person and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I had worked with Diane Portia. You can go back and deep into the files for Diane Portia's episode. Um, she's in the documentary Heal. And what I, I really loved about that is I was trying to cement into my head I don't need to be the puppy dog. Like, now do you like me? Now am I good? Because they weren't the right people in the first place. You shouldn't have to do that. If it's the right people, you don't have to do that. Right. And like you're saying, like you want to do that. Like with you guys, I want to do more because it's, first of all, I care so much about the show, but I also care about you guys and I care, but you care about me. Like, so I want to give and do more. And yeah, you shouldn't have to be in that place of, cause I was there too. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. What else can I do? But they don't give a crap. No, the wrong people don't. Exactly. The wrong people. But then what they get is 
they get to be in last place in the ratings. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Um, and, and, but, but the thing is, or they aren't going to succeed the way, cause that culture isn't going to succeed, especially in this time. Yeah, I don't think. I agree. Um, but I know that, I know that being like that to Kevin, when he was my boss, I guess he's always going to be my boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. I'm the boss. But anyway, um, he gave me the gold star. He gave me the reciprocation. Um, Bill did at Dunkin' Donuts, like wherever... And I watched that with my dad too. My dad over-delivered for everybody. My dad was cleaning nightclubs. We're still best friends with the owners and having them at our house because they love my dad so much. They love all of us so much because we gave them everything we had, right? My dad showed me that by example, but you got to be careful who you give that to. They have to give you something back. They have to give you that love back in some way, shape, or form. And so it's really being mindful of, is this person reciprocating? Do they really care back? Um, it will be evident if you really sit and take stock, if they do or they don't, right? Um, you know, I've definitely been in a lot of situations where it hasn't been reciprocated, but I thought if I kept applying the same model that always got me good results, it would work. And it doesn't not in those situations. In fact, they can use it against you. So um, a good work culture, in my opinion, is a culture that is going to care about you. And so if you are sick, they're not thinking, okay, when she can, can she get back to work? Like whatever. It's how do we, how do we work through this? How do we get you healthy? How do we figure out a better way? Um, or, or there's something really important to you. And <laughs> God, like I had situations where I couldn't go see someone dying in my family. They wouldn't let me leave. I couldn't even take my vacation. Um, I mean, it was like really toxic and really nasty and really just bad. Um, I mean, those are just evident situations, you know? Jen would not approve of that. No. Like even would right not. now, um, I had built this whole kind of trip in December thinking like, cause I shoot this show for Roku, by the way, we haven't talked about Roku recommends in a minute, but we recommend all the best shows on TV. So you can catch us on your Roku home screen. But, uh, I thought we were only shooting early December. So I'm going to shoot this event, uh, this show for MTV for the challenge reunion in London. And I planned this whole trip. We were going to go to Finland after and do this whole amazing Northern lights experience. And I woke up this morning with a knowing and I said, let me just check the Roku dates. Did I check the Roku dates? And I had assumed, which I try to teach you guys, will always get you into trouble, yep. that that 12, you know, that first week of December was the only date and it wasn't. Mm. But I have really great people that I work with over there. So I went to them directly and I said, hey, is there a way we could push the shoot two days later. And, you know, I know they're going to try. I know they're going to. Um, so that's a really good work culture. When I go in, they really try to be accommodating and helpful and, and caring and stuff. There are other people in the periphery that maybe aren't as great, but <laughs> that's a different story. Those are my choices that I got to make better choices for. But, um, but the, the team at Funny or Die that we work with is so great. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's let's all kind of take stock and awareness. And then here's the thing. If you do have a company that's reciprocative, is that a word? 
Look it up, Elaine. Uh, <laughs> I think it is. Ooh, um, let's see. If it is, not the word, if it is reciprocative, um, remember that. Because sometimes you can, it's just like any relationship. You can end up becoming very one way and very narcissistic in the relationship where they're giving, giving, giving now and you're not giving back. So it like any relationship, there has to be a balance, right? Like I have to try to balance Kevin's over giving, which is impossible, but I have to really try because it could become very one way. And so remember that as well. Um, so that you can keep in check as well and know that like, it's supposed to be both ways, right? Like if I need you to come in, we're doing something and gosh, we couldn't finish our shoot Friday. We have to do it Saturday. It's going to be like, it can't be an issue because make it work because anytime you need to go and leave at moment's notice or not be here, I'm like, of course, no problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's why it's Uh give and take. It's reciprocative. Which is let's check in with Elaine. It is a word. It is a word. I know it. Elaine. It is a word. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's an adjective given or done or owed to each other. Thank you, Elaine. Reciprocative. Reciprocative. Love that. (laughs) Maybe that's Jen the title of Jen's new book after this. Reciprocative. Don't give her my title. It's (laughs) my title. Well she'll credit you. Okay. You guys should both Co-author. <laughs> reciprocated. That's what people usually use, right? Yeah. Reciprocated. Well, that's in a different tense. Like he reciprocated or she reciprocated or they reciprocated. Nice. If Did y'all think you're getting an English lesson? It's reciprocative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, that's our, our little intro to Jen Lim. Let's get her uh, inside the Zoom. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back and we'll be talking about how to be more reciprocative in the workplace. No, we'll be talking about creating a good work culture. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. 
Jen, thank you for for joining us. And uh, we're really excited to talk about building and cultivating uh, a good work culture. We were chatting before and... um, it's funny because I asked Kelsey, I said, what do you think creates a good work culture? Mm-hmm. And she was a little stumped. She said, well, I think when you're in one, you don't think about what it could be. But when you're in a bad one, you actually you really know. And so we were having that whole conversation. And uh, and I was also mentioning how, you know, Kevin and I, we definitely were criticized early on for always being involved and like, caring about the people that are working with us. Right. So Mm -hmm. we care about them as much as we want them to care about us. That's our motto, right? You can't expect people to care about you or the job if you don't care about them. And so for us, if there was a problem in their life or whatever that we could help with or we could fix, we were always jumping in. And, um, you know, there's the philosophy of, you know, they're getting paid, they got to do the job and then that's it. But I see that every time I go into, you know, uh, a fast food restaurant or whatever, no one's cared about, so they don't care. And yeah. it's, it's a cycle that's pretty vicious. So were we wrong to think like that <laughs> since you're the expert? <laughs> <clears throat> well, apparently you got to figure it out because you have a, a happy crew, it seems. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think it's a big part of it. I think if we actually can reframe and realize that, their people are assets and that we're actually reinvesting in them so that they'll reinvest in us in their own ways. Cause I think it's so, especially right now because the economy is like, Oh no, like we got to you know, do these hiring freezes or, you know, layoffs or whatever and have to tighten the belt, but they don't realize that that's the worst place to tighten the belt. With people. My husband said that in the 2008 crash. He goes, we are not cutting any people. He's like, we will cut things. We went to the, guys, this is kind of intense, but we went to the point where we removed direct TVs from the house because we had like lots of TVs where this is our business. So we had lots of TVs. Kevin started removing direct TVs. Like we cut every, I cut manicures and pedicures. I cut everything I could Mm -hmm. and he did too. So we wouldn't have to cut bodies. Wow. That says something. Because usually it's the first that goes, but, and then what happened? Did you feel like that was worth the while? Of course we wrote it out and everybody's still with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's, I mean, not everybody cause other people like move on for other reasons <clears throat> eventually, but, um, yeah. but yeah, it's an investment in the people that you know are amazing and, and, yeah. and you want to keep, keep working with. Totally. And I think, I mean, if everyone could think like you and Kevin, but um, what's really interesting is that over the last 15 years, no matter what uh, type of economy we're in, those people or those companies that are consistently double down, you know, they're double downing on their people. Um, like they're the top glass door places to work or the great places to work. Or what's a top glass door? Company. What does that mean? Um, so glass door, like that website. Glassdoor.com. So essentially it's like, um, it was, it's created to have rating systems of employers. Oh, essentially employees can go on there and talk all they want. (laughs) You know, it could be anonymous or whatever, but they start rating employers. (gasps) So those employers at top are those that employees actually 
say they're a good, good place to work. So, wow. so there's that and there's Forbes, you know, best p- companies to work for. So all those companies on those lists, they have consistently outperformed the S&P 500 over the last 15 years. Wow. You've so, done all the research. Yeah. And because this is like the, almost the no brainer to, to naysayers to the whole thing of like, why would I, you know, be investing in people? Why do we want to make sure people are fundamentally you know, meaningfully happy, all that stuff. It's kind of like, well, here are the numbers, <laughs> number one, here are the stats. And then, you know, part of it is what I believe, like you have the stats and you have the stories. And what you just shared is a story of like why it works. And what you did in a really tough time is to double down your people and it pays off. So it's, um, yeah, there's still naysayers out there, but it's just, can't really say nay to the numbers. Well, I think we're getting to a place, and I'm sure you would agree, where it's such an old paradigm. It's dying, and it's not going to survive anyway. It's like almost yeah. like if somebody didn't embrace technology, like it's going to happen. You either yeah. get with it or you'll die. Like it's, you know, totally. that old model is dying. So you have to figure it out, which is why having someone like you that's really studied this and built these programs Mm-hmm. Um, is really, I think, essential right now. Because first of all, the new generations aren't taking anything other than that. Yeah. We yeah. were ahead of the curve, thank God. Um, <laughs> we used to call Kevin the millennial whisperer when when this was all first coming together. Millennials were first entering the workspace and he's really good at it. It took me a minute. Um, but it's uh, yeah. it's not something that's gonna, you, you just can't avoid it. Yeah, it's kind of like adapt or die kind of thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially now, because especially since everyone got 2020, I mean, the whole world, right? Like when's the, when's the last time that happened that we got to experience that? So it's not just millennials now either yeah. or Gen Zers, because when we saw the whole quiet quitting thing, you know, hit TikTok and then just kind of flooded all the media, it's not, it wasn't just the millennials, you know, it was actually Gen Xers, it was baby boomers. And so I think there was a, a chord, like my brother says, like half joking, of course, but um, don't let a good pandemic go to waste. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, you know, some people chose to use that time that we all had, you know, working from home, Zoom land to reflect. And those that did are really drawing the line in the sand of, you know, I think quiet quitting is unfortunately a bad branding job because they're not really quitting, right? It's like they're taking time for themselves and making space and, and mental health for themselves. I actually want you to explain quiet quitting. I'm so glad you brought it up because I did (laughs) see it trending on Twitter maybe two weeks ago and I had my assumptions of what it was. So for the benefit of all of us, explain what quiet quitting really is. Yeah, or maybe so, what it's marketed as and what it really is. I don't know. Maybe there's two answers. <laughs> yeah, the marketing. So quiet quitting came about and from TikTok when people started posting about how they want to basically work for what they get paid for and nothing more because uh, like this hustle culture that we've been, you know, in for so long and really not like being able to have those kind of conversations with our bosses or managers and being able to say, look, this is, I need to, you know, refuel myself. If I want to be the best for you, I got to be the best for me. So that's how it all came about and just kind of blew up on TikTok. And, and I think it's unfortunate because they're not really quitting. So the, the, the real issue here is how can employers 
understand what employees need for themselves, knowing that they'll be more engaged and be more productive and overall be better for the company and the team. So that's how it all got started. And now there's quiet firing, this like retaliation. So, wait, so quiet quitting. So you said it started with them thinking, the, the employee thinking, I only want to work. I want to be paid for what I, the amount of work I do. Explain what that means. Like I, I'll just do enough as to what I'm getting paid for. Like, That's I'm quiet quitting. Go, yeah. I'm not going to go above and beyond anymore because I need to take care of myself. Got it. So it wasn't in, in a begrudging way to the employer. It's I'm falling no. apart. I'm needing more mental health time. I'm needing more me time, whatever yeah. that situation is. Yeah. And, but why not have a conversation with their boss? Is that something that has happened or and maybe had happened and it, it didn't result in something good or? Yeah, I think like, Unfortunately, most workplaces, work environments, and this is a term that's been thrown out a lot, especially since 2020s, uh, psychological safety, that environments mostly don't have that, where they feel when people, when is psychologically safe, psychologically safe, they can feel like I can express where I'm at and not be judged, not be reprimanded, not be fired. And what's interesting is that even before 2020, uh, Google did a really cool survey study called the Aristotle survey and our study. And essentially they wanted to understand what makes the most effective teams in the, you know, in their environment. And what they found, and this was a longitudinal study. It was like over years, tens of thousands of employees. And what they found was not what you would think. It's like, it wasn't the manager. It wasn't like software, it wasn't technology. Um, it was psychological safety. So by being able to create environments for their teams to have that safety of like being able to say, hey, this is amazing. We, we did this or dude, damn, I messed up and this is what happened, but this is what I want to learn from. So I think it's now more important than ever to create that. And unfortunately, I think that's why it's quiet quitting is because people don't have that sense of safety to mm. be able to express themselves authentically. But those you know, employers that do, that's the line in the sand that we're seeing being drawn since 2020, especially right now, because things, there was a Gallup um, poll done in the world workforce, and this was just a few months ago, that shared that a majority of people are still not altogether there, <laughs> haven't really yet processed what has gone on. I believe it. Us. I still can't yeah. process it. I am, <laughs> yeah. I walk around dumbfounded all the time, Jen. I'm like, did we really just have the whole world shut down for two years? Like, did that, yeah. by the way, like ish, two ish years, did that really just happen? Yeah, that's the thing. And yet, you know, you're a mindful person, you're intentional. So you actually are processing it in a way of just being able to ask those questions. But unfortunately, a lot of people aren't, are you not know, even thinking that there needs to be a processing. So what we're seeing is like this level of stress and anxiety keeps on going up and up because of this mm. disconnect of what we need to do, you know, as human beings to be able yeah. to say, whoa, there was some major trauma going on and not just, you know, COVID and losing people that we care about and love, but also just a loss of, you know, relationships or a loss of um, expectation or hope. So 
those are the kind of things that I think are really important that really, really tie into this whole state of mental health and where we are just not, you know, not just in the workplace, but just in, in general life. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's like the, the actual physical term of long COVID that people are dealing with in terms of health. There's yeah. a long COVID for mental health too. And so, you know, the quiet quitting, it makes me sad because I, I wish there were the environments were safer for people to express themselves. Like for example, Kelsey, if you were quiet quitting in your head, I would be crushed because I've invested so much Mm -hmm. in you and I've cared so much Mm -hmm. about you. And I would say, why didn't you come to me? Or if you were like secretly looking for other jobs behind my back or, or entertaining ideas of other jobs and not coming to me first and saying, Hey, I feel like I have this other need or I feel like I would be completely blindsided and so crushed because Mm. we have so many open conversations about things. So, so I do think that it would be, you know, a nice message to put out for people. Like if you do have, as we called it, a reciprocative environment to make sure that you are, um, you know, uh, open with your employer to let them know where your head is at so that they can see what they can do to be helpful um, yeah. rather than assuming, because I hate assuming. Assuming is the worst thing in the world. Assuming that they're not going to react well. Um, right. And you know which ones really won't. I mean, if they've already shown a pattern, then that's different. But if they've shown yeah. a different pattern or maybe there's no pattern, nothing's happened and you still don't give them a chance, that's kind of tough. But what's quiet yeah. firing? Um, so it's, I mean, as I say it, I'm kind of coming up with probably what it is, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Just a side note though, what you just said, what you are actively doing in, in, you know, your conversation, in your team with Kelsey, et cetera, is like you're intentional about actually living positive values. So the values of having transparency and authenticity, like, that's a, you're constantly, it sounds like you're nurturing that. And I think that's where a lot of leaders should, you know, be thinking about it's, it's a journey of constantly growing and <clears throat> nurturing that kind of environment based on these values that are near and dear to you and your team, et cetera. Um, but um, quiet firing. So it's totally not a new, you know, phenomenon at all. It's been happening since forever, but basically it's when, employers or bosses are just doing things to it's kind of like reverse psychology, like make people want to quit. Mm. So they're like excluding them from conversations, not including them on meetings in meetings or emails and like maybe like dumping a whole bunch of work on them. So they're totally stressed and burnt out and want to quit. So just doing these very subversive, subversive tactics. And, you know, we've seen this in workplaces forever, but now there's a new term for it. That's like PR marketing, whatever, but it is happening as well. Wow. As we've seen. So quiet quitting, someone came to the the dinner table the other night. I was like, Oh, I've had such a bad day. And I was like, okay, what happened? And you know, one of my top people just quiet quitted. They've been quiet quitting <laughs> on my, my back. And so we're asking the questions like what happened? And their interpretation of quiet quitting was they were building a business behind their back. So mm. using the salary that she was giving her, she was able to write a book and build a whole business. And then it was 
I love you. You're amazing, but I'm going to go off and do all this stuff, which (laughs) sucks. It does suck. Right. Like again, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you can, you can sugarcoat it all you want and be like, you're amazing. And I, I really loved working for you. And it's like, that's basically like, please don't blackball me or please don't be, (laughs) you know, upset. But this person was building all these things behind their back. That's what they thought quiet quitting was. Mm. Um, Um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I think it could be a form of it in some way, but that's a little bit more extreme. I think of when you're utilizing other resources for your own gain. At the same time, I think that scenario is happening more and more uh, where people are wearing multiple hats and want to wear multiple hats, especially Gen Zers. Like for them, it's table stakes. Like I want to do X, Y, and Z things because it's part of me and I want to be authentic to that. And I think it's great. Um, but I think us, you know, employers and leaders, I think we should recognize or we need to recognize that this is how it is now. You know, like unfortunately that person did it, you know, behind the leader, the boss's back. And of course we don't want that. So that's why we want transparency and, mm-hmm. you know, all that in, in our environments and work environments, but uh, that's the state of the reality of like, and I think as progressive leaders, we should embrace it and actually tell people to pursue what they want to do in whatever forms, as long as they're doing, you know, as long as they're accountable for what they need to do for the team or the company. Um, otherwise then it will be like behind people's back in that mm-hmm. sense. But I think, being able to embrace it and encourage it. It actually studies have shown that those that have side gigs because they're passionate about it for whatever reason are actually more productive and engaged in their other gig. If, Mm -hmm. you know, again, if everything is taken care of on all sides. So um, I think that's kind of the era that we live in now. Back to Kelsey studying astrology. It's feeding (laughs) her soul, but I know she's going to be doing astrological charts for people. Oh, hell yeah. But I will say, it's funny that you just threw it to me because what I was going to say, and even going back to earlier when you were saying that you would hope that I would speak to you, I would because like Jen was saying, you've made it. So I'm like, I feel psychologically safe. Yeah. My other employers, hell no. Hell no. Would I ever, because we would, I would have gotten slaughtered, Mm. but like you, of course I would. Because like you would help me, you've made it so like that's the environment we're in. So yeah, yeah. I think that something that you and Kevin do, like that's amazing is you guys want us to be happy. You're like, okay, what are your passions? Like go, go do that because I know you're not going to show up unless you're like fulfilled or unless yeah. that cup, like exactly. you, you let me host because yeah. you know that like that fills my cup and you know, I'm going to be better because you're letting me do that. Anyways, I just think that like you guys do mm-hmm. that very well. Yeah. So I'm very grateful Thanks, for that, Queen. which is why my favorite words when she's like, I want to be with you guys forever. And I'm like, I love <laughs> it's that because we want to be with you forever. <laughs> it's true though. Um, That's incredible. I mean, I couldn't, uh, don't we wish we could all create that, you know? I, mean, I, I mean, But here's the thing, Jen, I think as a leader, you have to create the environment you wish you had. So mm-hmm. I, Kelsey and I both had a very bad experience. Um, I had many of them, but we share one specific that was the worst. Mm-hmm. And... When I was building my other company with Kevin, I said, Kevin, I'm not going to be there every day. It's going to be you. So he's really in charge of the culture. But we want this to be a safe haven for people to come. That's completely the opposite of what Hollywood generally is known to be or my version of what I've experienced. So we want to care about people. We want to nurture them. We want to help them. And we're not going to be perfect. And we were not perfect. But we that was our goal and our, our, um, our, our daily kind of intention to do. 
And so we know, Kevin, whether it was taking people to the dentist and paying for it or, you know, paying for whatever it was or help being there for them when they needed it, moving people, whatever it was, we tried to do it. And, and it was because I was dealing with so much of the opposite out there. And I mm. know who I am. I know someone, I'm someone who wants to over deliver and give everything I have to someone. I just kept giving it to the wrong people. And mm. so that was a distinction I made earlier in the show before we got to you is when you know that you are that type of person, find a reciprocative environment and then it's good. But when you're doing it to the wrong people, they prey on you and they mm -hmm. love it and they know how to keep getting more out of you. They knew that I would keep being the puppy dog, racing back, waiting for a treat, waiting for the gold star, hoping for something and if they didn't give it to me, I was going to do it harder and more and more and more. Mm. Yeah. So how did you realize that the, that was the case? Um, I had to get a brain tumor and have brain surgery and shut it all down and start my own thing, completely mm. get away from it. Because it's, it is that um, there's a lot of trauma that you have to work through and you have to start to see things for what they are. Because when you're going at a, you know, the speed of light, you're never present to really understand the feelings and put all the pieces together. Um, and that's why, um, you know, for me, it was always intentional to be the opposite. And then now here with the show, it's the same thing. We want mm. it to be a good environment. We want it to be fun. We want it to be happy because that's what it should be. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. So I guess what are your top, tips for people to start implementing into mm -hmm. their culture and into their <clears throat> workplace to start to try to achieve this? Yeah. Well, you kind of, you said something earlier that kind of like teed it up quite well. Um, and you, you were saying like, don't make assumptions. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Mm-hmm. And so I think number one, just realizing there's never a perfect time to work on your culture, never a perfect time to try and, you know, make your employees happy. That's not what this is all about. I think number one, especially because of the last two and a half years, um, is to actively ask questions and actively listen. So that's where the no assumptions part comes in, because a lot of the times I think leaders kind of think, oh, you know, we're going hybrid now, we're going remote, therefore I need to do X, Y, and Z, but that's an assumption on their part without really listening to what are the true issues at hand. And so and doesn't that come one, from fear because they're afraid they're going to have to do things they don't want to have to deal with? <laughs> I think largely, yeah, because of that. And like basically, I mean, everyone has gotten hit by this, has gotten hit by this. So there's a lot of leaders out there, CEOs that I know that are just, they're quite quitting too. There, there was a new uh, survey out about VPs. Um, now they're like the number one, like, level of an organization that are actually quite quitting. But um, but going back to your question, I think number one is actively listen, you know, what are the real issues? And there's, you know, surveys out there, employees, uh, engagement surveys, and all that stuff you can do, which is great. But again, that's just the stats and the data. You know, what are the stories behind what people are feeling? Um, you know, build that psychological safety so that you can listen to them. And then what we found very, <clears throat> and you know, the background that I have is in, in science of happiness and positive psychology. So instead of focusing what's wrong with us, let's try to focus on what's right with us and improve that. I love that. So we found that there's like basically four levers that can help improve no matter where you are in your set point of happiness. It can actually, you know, dial it up. So number one is having a sense of control or autonomy. And let's face it, you know, 2020, no one had control or autonomy. Mm-hmm. So being able to give that sense of flexibility, you know, like especially moms, what they had to do and, and you know, their burden, especially, but everyone had that loss of control. Uh, the second thing is sense of progress, making sure that your people are feeling like they're growing, developing, learning, you know, not just career track, but as a human being. Um, the third thing is connectedness. And this is just, you know, the depth and breadth of your relationships, And the last thing is purpose and simply, you know, what are you doing? What are you being besides that's bigger than yourself? That's greater than yourself or the team that you're part of greater than yourself. So those four levers, what we found, and this is again, based on the science is that no matter like where you are as a culture and your environment, like take those top two, three things that are going great and celebrate it to say, this is awesome take the top two, three things that are not great and say, these are the things we're going to work on. And I guarantee you those four levers can be applied to whatever it might be, be it, you know, burnout, be it um, retention. Um, I mean, mental health is huge right now. So by being able to have these open conversations with transparency, you actually be able to, you know, like be more intentional about what we're fixing and, remind people that, hey, it's not going to happen in a day. There's just no way. But I mean, the name of your show, we can do this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, having that reassurance that we're not out of the woods yet, for sure. I mean, there's going to be 
more tough times ahead, but hey, at least we're going to do this together. So the four levers that you just mentioned, those are the levers that you would work on specifically to each problem, like a burnout. You would, how do you, how do you actually apply the four levers? So for, for example, like one big um, challenge that people are having right now is the fact that, you know, some people are remote, some people are hybrid, some people have to be, you know, forced back to the office. So it's this, this connectedness. I mean, that's one of the levers, but basically people are feeling a lack of connection. Uh, not, yeah, it's kind of funny. I was talking to someone and she's like, yeah, I'm so looking forward to go back to hybrid and go back to the office. And when she showed up at the office, no one else was there. <laughs> so it's kind of like you had to be more intentional about, okay, so how do we, so people are feeling disengaged, people are feeling lonely, feel, people are like missing that interaction. Let's just say that's a challenge that an environment has. How can we apply connectedness to it? That's one of the levers. And so that's, you know, being intentional about, hey, look, we, you know, just to be honest, we all know we're suffering from not having more FaceTime and we're on Zoom all the time. So let's do some programs together. And that's the kind of stuff we work on with, with companies is how to engage people in a more meaningful way so that it's not just about your roles or responsibilities. It's actually about who you are as a human being. And I talk about values a lot. Um, like those things that are really important to people and when you talk about, like, bring up the conversation with, like, what is your higher purpose? And if you don't know it, let's do this exercise together. So when people start engaging in more meaningful ways, you know, not just, like, talking about your Netflix binge or your happy hour drink, very important stuff, but that's, like, more pleasure versus who are we as human beings and what is most important to us. So that's how we help people connect in a more, you know, a deeper way. I think that's super, super important. Those are really important conversations. When you talk about um, gathering the data, basically, from your employees, mm -hmm. how do you handle on both sides, you know, the employer who's like, guys, I can't build utopia. Like, you guys now want lunch every day. You want things that I can't provide, mm -hmm. right? I want the manicurist there. I want, I want what Google has, but, you know, this is a small family business. Or And then on the other side, you know, real things that would really make a difference. Like, how do you balance that? Because I remember, and I, I might butcher the story, but in COVID, mm. um, I heard that the Spotify CEO went out to the thousands of employees and was like, we are not going to cut anybody. Like it was like this big victory he or she had said, I don't know who the CEO is right now. I can't remember. And it was this huge victory. They figured out a way we're not going to cut any bodies. And isn't that amazing? And someone's like, <laughs> you used to, you know, buy lunch in the office and I want lunch every day delivered to my house. And, and we're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, the minds of some people and the things that they want when you're like, they just really figured out a way to care about all of you in this mm -hmm. really Im impactful way. And you're like bitching about the bagels that were offered to you in the office. And now you're missing the bagels. I don't know. So how do you balance that? <laughs> Cause that's why <laughs> employers are scared to ask employees for things. And, and then employees don't get some of the, th their needs met is because yeah. of that. I, and that's bound to happen, right? There's always going to be someone that's like, yeah, that's great. But what, what about this? And I think what we, you know, I, I'm going to say, talk about values again, but it's so important. 
when there's someone like that that consistently is just not unhappy, just not happy with whatever comes, it's really a values misalignment. And it's not personal. It's like kind of like this might not be the right place for you because when we when we're doing these sort of initiatives and we're not firing anyone and we're doing this or this this or this, it's because we're looking out for everyone and we're not going to make everyone happy. But this is what we heard that would be important for us, which be no one's getting fired. I mean, that's amazing in itself. Um, so I think in the my, worst crisis known yeah, to our like country, <laughs> why we keep on going back uh, to if this like if a person just consistently just you know violates the values of the company and their the values are not just words on the wall, then it's just grounds for, hey, this is not a great fit anymore. I love that because Kevin was really good at that at our other company. So our other company is called AfterBuzz and he would say, they're just not AfterBuzz. So mm. he had his values very like clearly set. So would you recommend a company has their values like written on a wall, like here are our company values so that everyone's seeing it and it's on the same page because it really was helpful for him to weed out people that didn't belong. Be like, sorry, mm. it's just not, it's not, we're, it's not a good fit. This is not AfterBuzz. This is what AfterBuzz is. So, you know, it was a good way to kind of identify. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is, it's good to have those values codified. And so that is not just words on the wall, because it sounds like Kevin was actually living. Them. Yes. And this is the biggest thing. Like there's so many companies that have values and purpose now, like, you know, 10 years ago, it was like a nice to have. But now it's like, it's not just only stating your values, but actually defining behaviors out of those values and being that specific so that like for, I don't know if you remember back in the day, Enron, that company that mm -hmm. you know, squandered like billions of dollars, but basically like their number one value was integrity. So <laughs> poster child, poster child, right? For when you're not living the values. And we've seen it in the near recent too. Like we work, you know, like um, there are no, you know, these companies where, and this is interesting now because these are very purpose-led companies, yet there's so many misalignments with values. And then mm -hmm. it makes that conversation, you know, it's going to be hard anyway, but at least there's a basis for it. Yeah. And you can point to this behavior was not lived up to. And if it consistently happens, then it becomes, it's actually like, you know, it's a social contract. It's like, look, <laughs> this has happened like three times in a row. So this is not happening. This is not going to work. That's so funny because I remember uh, a hypnotherapist that we worked with over 10 years ago now, or at least maybe 10 years ago, she said, anything operating out of integrity will fall. And then I just started watching it all kind of happen with mm. the, with the, you know, Theranoses and the WeWorks and it just keeps happening. So, yes. um, it's very interesting. Um, can you talk about the future proof program that you have or the future proofing your work and life? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the concept really comes back down to not really trying to chase the next thing or next career or job. It's really focusing, starting with the me, like what is it within you that is most important? So therefore, like you said, you know, there's things that have been changing around us and we have to adapt. And the biggest thing I think for us as individuals is to be able to ground ourselves so that we are future proof. Like we're not, 
go in with the trends because of like, you know, it's like, it's not about the metaverse for me because that's where the future is. It's like, do you even care about it? So future, future proofing, excuse me, is like more about asking those external questions within first so that the next time you go to start looking for a job or, you know, start interviewing, whatever, you have your means of what is most important to you and your values that are most important and things that you will just not say you know, yes to. So at least you have your own boundaries. So that's how you see future proofing is like basically doing the most important work, which is not the stuff you get paid for. It's doing the work within yourself, understanding what the most important things are with purpose and values. And then that's how like all these things that are chaotic and outside of our control, we're able to adapt to more because we have that groundedness within. So what if you're in a job right now and you're starting to take stock and you realize it's not really in alignment with who you are anymore? What's your best advice? Well, there's, um, you mean, there's great resignations for a reason, right? (laughs) Like it's pretty crazy how so many people, if you think about during a very, very uncertain time, we had the most number of people quitting or resigning over the last year and a half, millions at a time per month. So I think I would reassess, if you're feeling there's not a fit anymore, I would like do the assessment of, you know, what are the things that are not fitting anymore and why? Because sometimes if it's like more superficial things, um, then maybe it's worth kind of sticking out and having those conversations with the manager or boss, whatever, uh, and seeing if they can, you know, try to address them. But I think that's the biggest thing is like, what is it that's bothering you? Is it really the, the lunch thing that you're not having <laughs> for you every more, anymore every day? Or is it something just like that is really cut into the cord of who you are as a human being? Like, again, those values misalignment. If you're seeing that and that's bothering you, then do you really want to spend all your waking hours at work in that way? Um, I think the answer is getting clearer. And the the key I think to remember is like, the point is not to like wake up in the morning and by the time you go to sleep, like every moment's happy, happy, happy. Like that's just not realistic and feasible. But I think the point now is more of from the time you wake up to the time you sleep, do you feel fulfilled? Like, are you at least living and embracing not just your highs, which are great, but also understanding your lows? in a day-to-day basis. So at least you feel you're spending those minutes meaningfully. They don't have to be hunky-dory because we know they won't. But I think that's the biggest, uh, one of the, you know, the flip side of great resignation is the great awakening or reawakening of people realizing, wait, I'm not spending my time right. Like this priority stuff is totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would suggest is like to assess what things are actually bothering you or you're being challenged by or you don't like, and just really sift it out. What's the difference between what's really important to you and the side, side stuff that really shouldn't matter as much. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, what is understanding your lows and is that what you just said, just kind of sifting through mm. what's not working and figuring out maybe solutions to those things. Yeah. There's, um, so we do this exercise called the happiness heartbeats. And so essentially like you're the star of your own show, like, you know, the protagonist in your movie and essentially it's going back and reflecting on your life. And it's not just work life. We believe in work life integration. Then you can actually 
reflect and get to see, oh, wow, I got through that because you got you, you see the low and the fact that your success is not uh, aren't necessarily the highs is actually the success of coming out of a low. Ooh. And so by being able to see those moments along the way, you're able to like if you're in a low again, you get to see at least, oh, I got out of it. And there was a high that came after and just reflecting, how did that happen? What was I feeling? What did I do? And you have to build this resilience over time. So I think for, you know, it's human nature, just, just like, you know, sweep things under the rug and, and, and be done with it. But I think now everything's been laid to bear. Mm. Uh, workplaces like, you know, stuff like burnout and disengagement is already, you know, mental health was already there, but now it's like, boom, hello, <laughs> we're here. So I think it's now, the, now is the time to be able to embrace those lows. Like, um, yeah, like I know a lot of people had some <laughs> over the last two and a half years. I think that's so huge to be able to look at your lows and, and how you climbed out of it so that you mm -hmm. can build that roadmap for the future. So you know that these are the things that you did that helped or, or just to even know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, totally. um, and that you are building your resilience. Right. So I always feel like things happen to you for certain reasons. There's certain things that you need to either learn or grow with or get better at. So, you know, you'll get the lessons for resilience. So I literally just went and bought myself flowers recently because I was like, <laughs> I want to celebrate my resilience because I've got so much of it. Nice. And, um, and I think that it's not something that someone would normally celebrate because you would normally celebrate the raise, the big mm -hmm. thing that came in, the, you know, the normal things Hallmark says to celebrate, but you can yeah. celebrate your resilience. I had three things I think I bought them for. It was, I was celebrating my resilience. That's awesome. I was celebrating my strength and my, my patience because I mm. never used to have patience and I've been building it over time. And I said, those are the three things I'm going to go buy myself flowers for right now. Cause I'm super proud of myself. And, um, and I think that's just the way you explained it to, to kind of remember that there's something to celebrate for that's worth it from coming out of your lows is really huge. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love that you bought yourself flowers to celebrate that. I think, yeah. um, <laughs> I think what's, uh, what's beautiful about that is like, cause you know, like <laughs> the normal reaction when people are going through lows is like, Oh, you know, tomorrow's a new day. You know, it's like, and eh, that's, you know, that's not kind of where, that's not what I need right now as inspiration. And we hear like get all these inspirational quotes from everyone. But the thing is, it really is so internal and individual, you know, so subjective to mm -hmm. our own journeys. And then by being able to like reflect and say, holy shit. I'm oh, sorry. You can say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> holy crap, whatever. I got through that. And then all of a sudden it feels a, a bit a different energy rather than, you know, hearing an advice from someone else or reading an inspirational quote. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's, we have lots of conversations with ourselves and a lot of times they're negative. Um, mm -hmm. I just this morning woke up and I was a little bummed out about something. And then of course, like a trikes, like there was a second thing that happened. Okay, mm -hmm. here we go. So it's like, I'm going outside. I'm going to get into nature. I'm going to bring my, my little tea outside and I'm going to just try to shift and so I was out there and I just started talking to myself out loud. And I was like, we have to change the vibration because none of this is real. And all of this stuff is just 
your current interpretation of what's happening, but maybe there's another one. And Mm. so I started kind of talking through it, talking through it. And then I realized, oh, I had this so screwed up in my head. That's actually not what's happening. And furthermore, what's happened is from my normal pattern to dig myself out of a low Mm. is I start researching and I started researching and I realized the low brought me to a new lesson and a new understanding, a new, new, um, finding that is only going to help propel what I'm trying to do and trying Mm -hmm. to help people with even further. So not only was I able to dig myself out of the hole, but I was able to see the pattern of it and see Mm. that sometimes things don't go according to the plan that you think you have. And that's a good thing because our version of a plan sometimes can be very limited Mm-hmm. And God or the universe's plan is so much bigger. So I realized after, mm-hmm. you know, a good 30 minutes outside that I needed to learn this next thing so that I didn't get tripped up by my limited view of what was happening. And mm-hmm. so sometimes when the bad things, you're interpreting it as a bad thing, it's actually a good thing. And I think all of the time it can be a good thing. I thought the brain tumor was a good thing. Mm. Um, I know my mom's journey helped me so that I can help so many people. Now, would I want my mom here more than anything? But I definitely, I made the most of every second I had with her. But I also learned so much that I know is helping so many people through this show. Even Kelsey, Mm. just yesterday, you were saying you had a breakthrough and you're like with your health that you wouldn't have learned if you weren't, you know, doing this show and hearing my journey with my mom and everything. So I'm sharing this as it's happening because I'm like, you got to know that those lows um, Mm. can be good things. And we had someone on recently that said from chaos, um, she said, you know, chaos comes to help us rebuild or, um, or kind of, I don't, I forget exactly how she put it. You're usually good at remembering. I am. I don't remember that. <laughs> but anyway, that's that. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I get the gist. You get the gist. Exactly. But I feel like, you know, it's funny because both of you, and I want you guys to briefly geek out on this because I think mm. both of you have come to this and tell me if I'm wrong, but like even more to this place after both doing the Dr. Joe work. Oh my God. I forgot yes. that you did Dr. Joe too. To, I want yes. you guys to talk about that. Like how for, we know Maria's journey with it and how much it's helped her. Jen, I'm so curious yes. how, how it's helped you and made you, you know, better in what you do. Yeah. I, I, and Kelsey told me, I was like, what? Yeah, we, we were at the same, same event. The same one. Yeah, were you at San Fort Diego. Myers or San Diego? Okay. That was San my Diego. first one. Me too. <clears throat> So like, well, long story short, in terms of um, my journey there, because I, I had, I, so everyone had crazy 20, you know, 2020s and, and, uh, and then some, but for me, I had my own and I was realizing that I had never been so down and depressed in my life. And this, not only all the stuff that happened in the world, but one of my best buds passed away. And so it took me quite a long time until like the beginning of this year to realize how low I was and I didn't, you know, come to admission or acceptance until then. And then because of that acceptance or awareness, then I was just like felt so much lighter and I just really wanted to just beginner's mind, like just anything that comes my way that normally I would say, no, 
seven days is a long time, you know, like I would say <laughs> no to because I'm like, I got to get back to work. So I said, yes, you know, like, wait, hold on, Jen, let's add to the fact that it's a meditation event for seven days. Like I I was like, poke my eyeballs out with a spoon. I would (laughs) rather do anything other than that. And I am self-help queen. Yeah. But something said, you've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of my friends that she said, like, yeah, that's the, the nudge that I had that got me there. And it just, I love to hear experience, but. First of all, I had to like completely surrender to this stuff that like normally I'd be like, wait a minute, you know, like this is a little too whatever. But I completely surrendered to to those notions. Um, And just getting the chills all the way down my body. It's, it's, I mean, it's so crazy that you're actually there too. And that was our first one. But by surrendering and then like, I don't know that one of the first meditations, uh, we came out of it and Dr. Joseph's like exactly, some of you might be feeling this, that something shifted within your body and you don't know quite know why. It might have jolted you out of that meditation. And it exactly what happened to me. And I never felt the physical change of what, you know, he was leading us through um, shifts within ourselves. So anyway, like, and, and you were there for that 4 a.m. meditation. Oh, yeah. Five hours. Five hours. <laughs> He's like, it's four it was, hours. And then I was like, we woke up and he goes, so you guys were down for five hours. We're like, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> you tricked us. Basically. Yeah. So those, the, that, that was astounding, right? Same thing. With, I was like, there's no way in hell I would have done that before. But step by step, day by day, I just got, got more and more into this understanding of the true value mm-hmm. of meditation. And I was thinking about that this morning, actually. It's like, if we could get, if you got paid to meditate, would you meditate? Would you meditate more? And for me, I, after that experience, I realized my own value of meditation. So it's almost like paying, funding my own mental health bank. Like Ooh. it's like a mental health fund that would, you know, would I want to do that every day? Yeah. I'd like to fund it as much as I can, because I know I'm getting so much value out of it. Wow. So, and, and it grows over time. So you did you start doing the meditations before you went to the event or was that your first entree? That was my first. Wow. So I went completely blind. I didn't even check anything out of this stuff. Oh, you never did the progressive or anything? Don't tell them that, but we we're I supposed will. to. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now what? What's your, first of all, can I ask you a question or say something? You're not yeah. someone who cries a lot, right? You're not a crier. <laughs> not really. So I have a weird question because okay. when I was getting the chills... I almost started crying. Did you have a real emotional experience there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt it. I literally almost started crying and it took me a minute to like, I didn't want to not be listening to you. But at the same time, I was like, why do I want to cry right now? And I'm like, oh, it's because of her. She had that experience and I was feeling it. Wow. That's giving me chills. I'm like super (laughs) leaning into my feelings and what I feel and just saying it out loud, even at the risk of you saying no, that I'm wrong. Um, But... I've had, you know, people, they're like, you're super psychic. So I'm just kind of like leaning into it. But I felt like I was about to lose my shit and I had to hold it together. And I'm like, oh, that probably is because we're in the moment as we're talking about what you felt there. And you Mm. must have had that. So that's so cool. So, okay. So you, since then, what have you done meditation wise? So now I understand why they call it a practice. It's like, you really have to literally practice it every day. And so, um, on my ideal meditation days, once in the morning, 
hopefully, and I do spontaneous meditations anytime I can think about it or like sit still for a second even, and then once a night. And I've also been peppering not just uh, Dr. Joe's stuff, but um, are you familiar with Thich Nhat Hanh, the uh, Zen master, Zen no. Buddha, Buddhist master? He, he actually just passed away. Um, he was like 90 something. But so Buddhist meditation, I've been learning from him and his teachings. He has a really great app called Plum Village, actually. So I've been balancing both of Dr. Joe's meditation. I don't know about you, but at first when I started experience Dr. Joe, I was like, why is this guy yelling at me? Like, <laughs> In the meditation? Huh? In the meditation? Yeah, because his voice could be really, you know, really like, mm, powerful. Um, yeah, well, so, so do you know what he does? Do you know why? So I tell people before they start all the time, get ready. It's going to sound a little creepy. His yeah. meditation is like, your body. So I was <laughs> creeped out in the beginning, but I surrendered and I went with it because I wanted my healing more than anything. Mm. And um, he can actually, with the tone of his voice, help you get to gamma brainwaves. Mm. And they've watched him with the people having the, the electrodes on their heads. They've watched him do it in real time. So it's almost like an assist for us. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why he does it. That so, makes sense then. So are you doing a 15 minute, 20 minute? Like what are the time? People always want to know how much time. <clears throat> I think my average is, I would say between 15 and 30 and then once in a while, I'll do the, the hour ones when I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yesterday, I did my 99-minute laying down meditation, which I love. Ooh, that's cool. That's a good one. Yeah. The walking meditations are my personal fave, actually. I haven't been back to those. I really, really love those. Um, those that's when wonders. I lost it, actually, when you asked earlier when we had that moment. Mm. That's when I just had this complete emotional breakthrough in a walking meditation. Mm, that's so cool. Well, yeah. he's forever changed my life and, uh, and I'm super grateful. Have you gone, you haven't gone to an advanced follow-up yet? Have you? I haven't. I was thinking about this one coming up in Mexico. Are you going? I just went in October. Wait, it is October. I just went mm -hmm. recently. I don't remember when it was, uh, recently I went to the Fort Myers one. Oh, how was it? It was amazing. Amazing because yeah. we have this big beach. So the nice. the one we were at in San Diego, I mean, the the space outside was a little limited. The yeah. beach is so expansive um, yeah. in Florida. So um, yeah, it's it's really sad to think of what happened there soon after we left because obviously that mm. hurricane plowed through there. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I think having a meditation practice, especially one that is kind of um, directive, like Dr. Joe's is directive. Like you can change mm. your whole life. You can change your health in a very intentional way. Whereas the other ones, you're just mm. doing it. And then hopefully something happens because you're resting your brain and you're giving it, you know, black yeah. space. I love Dr. Joe's because they're intentional. And I know that I'm seeing the results every single day, whether it's my personality, yeah. my happiness. I would walk around, you know, when he says, you know, you'll you'll be happy for kind of like no reason. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would get to a place where I got, I was in my kitchen. I said, Kevin, I am so happy. I could lift a vehicle with my hands, my bare hands. <laughs> and then, um, I, I, I remember again being in my kitchen and having a, a breakthrough where I'm like, I'm super fully happy inside. 
Like everything feels whole. Everything feels happy. Mm. I don't need anyone or anything to make me happy. I'm happy from the inside out. Yeah. So cool. It's, yeah. That's, you know, it's really cool too. I, I had, you know, f- similar feelings. And what I noticed too, like, especially right after uh, San Diego, is that I would catch people just randomly smiling at me, like, like intentionally looking at me and smiling. Like there was a jogger, he was jogging up a hill and he looked over and I was driving and he just smiled like in a way that was like, wow, there's something different here that because of the experience of what you're experiencing, uh, you're describing for yourself. I think that was like, there's some sort of different emanation going on from that, you know, experience and energy. So it's kind of cool how it ripples out. Yeah. Well, you're giving a different vibration. Totally. Yeah. And so you're getting a different vibration. Yeah. Um, Oh, Kelsey, I'm so glad you reminded me of that. Um, (laughs) So, so cool. Well, Jen, um, you're great. Your work is great. And it's uh, definitely not just the future. It's the now. Um, Friends, the book is called Beyond Happiness. And we'll put all of the uh, information on that and Jen Uh, and her website, jenlim.com, in the summary of this episode. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.